Uh, yeah, so here we go. Okay, so Martin Luther is generally attributed by being the person that kicked off the Reformation exactly 500 years ago this year. In fact, on the 31st of October this year, it will be 500 years exactly since that Playmobil character pinned that plastic piece onto that disassembled church. Um, it didn't really look like that in those days, and it smelled a lot worse. Um, it was 500 years ago. Now, the question is, what did the Reformation ever do for us? Now, what Martin Luther was trying to do, he was trying to suggest that the church shift its views away from ideology that had hijacked the gospel and made it an opportunity for profit and for power. The church, if you remember, was aligned to the political powers of the time, and also that because of that, it needed quite a lot of money, and it was a very good way of making money to tell people that if they didn't hand over particular cash sums or do particular work, because that was the other way, uh, then their sins wouldn't be forgiven. And that was quite challenging. It also worked on this basis, and this was the theology behind it. It works like this. Jesus saves the church. Not you, not me. Jesus saves the church. Therefore, if you're not in the church, you're not going to be saved. And we, the church, decide who gets in and who doesn't get in. So if you behave in these kind of ways, we'll let you in and you'll be saved. But if you don't, we'll kick you out and you'll be lost and then you'll be sorry. So do as we say. That's an awful lot of power to the church. It's also not what the Bible says. You see, it works the opposite way around in reality, which is this. Jesus saves you and me and then makes us into a church. No saved people, no church. Not no church, no saved people. Does that make sense? All the wrong way around. But it's a good piece of thinking if you want to start telling people that they'd better do as I say. Do as I say because I'm in charge. And if you don't do as I say, I will tell God not to forgive you and you'll go off to hell. Yeah, it's good. It's good. The interesting thing about the Reformation is that since the Reformation, um, there's all manner of churches that would claim to be reformed that still kind of do that, which is a bit disappointing, really, but there you go. Now, Martin Luther was not looking for that. Let's understand, Martin Luther was not looking to end up with what we've got, which is this remarkable situation with about 2,000-plus denominations and break-off groups. Martin Luther wanted to reform the church as it was. He wasn't a separatist. He wasn't trying to set up another church. He would have been horrified at that. And we need to understand this, that even now, there is only one church. There is only one church. And there only ever was one church, and there only ever will be one church. Those that belong to Jesus are church. We might disagree 
with some of the views that other people hold, they might disagree with us. But there is one church, and it belongs to Jesus, because all the people in it belong to Him. And Martin Luther, bless him, had no concept that others would hijack the Reformation and use it as a sort of separatist movement. However, having said that, he was equally didn't think that the current leaders of the then existing church were going to be quite so truculent to make everybody feel like they had to. So there's two sides to that. Anyway, the point being that. So what Martin Luther was trying to do was get back to simple things. The Bible, salvation through Jesus, relationship with God. Nice and simple. Simple, of course, is difficult because at that time, as indeed now, there is no prophet in simple. There never was and there never has been. So if there's a 15-point program for a mere $150, sign up now, special offer till the end of the month, uh, then that's obviously much more useful than a simple gospel, which is meet Jesus today and start putting things right. I'm not knocking the programs. I'm simply saying they are not the gospel. Does that make sense? We need the Reformation just as much now. So here's the thing. What did the Reformation ever do for us? It was a lot of fighting, a lot of very unpleasant things. There was a fair number of Scottish accents in it as well. Uh, but that similarly wasn't particularly a good thing. Um, there was a lot of anger, a lot of disruption, a lot of dissonance. Some of it still carries on now. That wasn't ever really what Martin Luther saw. There is nobody in this building, trust me, who is more against sectarianism than I am. I grew up in the middle of it. I don't like it. It's not God's plan. It doesn't advance the gospel in any way at all. The church should not be operating in enmity to itself, and it shouldn't be giving power to people whose agendas are political and not spiritual. Just to be clear, don't want to overstate that, but here we go. So, what are the things that the Reformation gave to us? Very quickly, number one, the Reformation told us that there is salvation through a personal faith in Jesus Christ. There is salvation through a personal faith in Jesus Christ, and that is the gospel message. That was Martin Luther's experience. He had tried everything. He had become a monk. He had whipped himself. He had done pilgrimages and penances. He had spent his money. He'd given to all sorts of people. He'd done his missions, and he still felt a dragging guilt inside himself. It didn't work. You cannot work your way into God's good graces. But Jesus paid the price. So, was there technically a penance for sin? Yes, it's death. That's the wage for sin. But Jesus, praise God, paid it so we don't have to go around living a slow death in the hope that somehow God will be appeased. We get salvation through Jesus. That's good news, isn't it? Okay, so um, stop beating yourselves up. That would be very important uh, because it won't do you any good 
whatsoever. I know you've had a lot of practice, uh, and, uh, but it, it really isn't helping, just, just so you know. So stop it now. Today is the last day. By 11 o'clock, you have ceased beating yourself up, and all the things that you do beat yourself up about, you give to Jesus and He sorts them out. Is that a deal? We got a deal? Excellent. There you are. We're, we're now a reformed group <laughs> because we're not going to beat ourselves up again because it doesn't do any good. And it's unnecessary because Jesus has already paid the price. Why are we doing that? We don't need to. It's often helpful if you need to take what hurts you to Jesus, maybe to walk with someone else. If that's what you need to stop beating yourself up, come see me or somebody else today and let's walk to Jesus together and let him take away any sense that you feel that you need to keep beating yourself up because things have not gone right in your life. Inner difficulties are resolved in Jesus. It's by grace that we are saved. That's it. And it wasn't. It wasn't because of anything other than His great love for us. So, unlike, if you like, a harsh taskmaster, where we bring what we have and they say, no, close but not enough, try again, try again, try again, bring more, bring more, bring more, that's fine for this week, but next week you need some more. That is not God's attitude. God is gracious once for all, and then it's done. That's fantastic. Anyway, so salvation comes through Jesus. Stop beating yourselves up. It doesn't do any good. It just makes you miserable, and frankly, that upsets everybody else. There's no need. Number two, what has the Reformation ever done for us? Well, it's given us a Bible to believe in. Now, you might well argue, and you'd be right, two things. Number one, the Bible already existed, Graham. Yes, I know that. Number two, it's arguable that with the invention of the printing press that the Bible would have already become available to everybody, and it didn't need the Reformation to make the Bible available. Both of those are potentially true. But what the Reformation did was this. It said, this book matters, and you should be reading it. Not relying on somebody else to tell you what it says, you should be reading it yourself. The Bible is to be believed. I have met people quite often, which still happens now with healing on the streets, if you go out with those guys, which I do sometimes, it's a real privilege, that people say, well, if I saw an actual, genuine, real, honest-to-goodness miracle right in front of me right now, I would believe. Two things about that. Number one, that's not true. We know from the Bible, and we know since, that lots of people have seen miracles, and they still haven't believed. It doesn't make people believe. It's a good thing, but it doesn't make people believe. Number two, you already have it, the revealed absolute Word of God right in front of us. But the key with this is this. This really matters to you. This will happen for you. If you read your Bible, the Holy Spirit will reveal mystery to you. 
you don't actually need me. I don't know why I'm saying that, standing here, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but it is, it is the absolute truth. Just God doesn't need me to speak for him or anybody else. Think of all the people throughout the history of the world who have lived in uh, all manner of uh, separateness from God, either through crime or addiction or persecution or because there's a culture where the Bible is banned or all of those things, and a little fragment of the Bible has become available. And through that and that alone, just God speaking one-to-one -one with someone, they have met with Jesus. God doesn't need us to speak on His behalf, and He has His Word. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. The thing that the Reformation did was said, this really matters. We should really be taking attention to this. And it's an easy thing to do. So, the, for centuries, the Bible just wasn't available. And think about all the oppressive regimes, all the cults, all the misreading groups. All those oppressive regimes, they ban the Bible. Why do they ban the Bible? Because it's powerful. The Christians don't matter. Get the Bible away from people because it's the revealed Word of God. Those cults, those groups that manipulate, what do they do? They edit and change the Bible. Why do they do that? They do that because it's the revealed Word of God, and if people look in it, they will see the truth for themselves. The Bible is a powerful, potent thing. Why do you think so many people try to get rid of it? You don't need me. You don't need anybody else. I'd like to think on occasions I'm helpful. The books, the videos, the, the discipleship courses, some of them are absolutely brilliant, and they really help. But at the end of the day, God is more than capable of speaking for Himself. You are more than capable of listening. The question is, will you? Will you? Because here it is, and it is superb. More of that from Richard next week. Bigging up Richard here, who's done a good job. Well done. He's done a good job today because he's had the first, the, the first of the summer Sundays, and he took it on to, to introduce it. So good, good job, man. Okay, so let's just talk about the trouble that we have with the Bible. Here's the trouble with the Bible. I'm just, this is your health warning. The Bible will not compromise on truth. The Bible will not compromise on the sinful state of humankind. The Bible will not water down the truth about judgment. The Bible will not allow any God but God. The Bible will not allow any Savior but Jesus. The Bible will not allow any revelation beyond the bounds of Scripture. Now, that's really inconvenient if you've got a few added extras or an inflated view of your own importance, or if you somehow have a lifestyle choice um, that isn't actually fitting in with God's plan. The Bible is trouble, but the Bible is truth. And we need to reconcile that. If there's a disagreement between me and the Bible, the Bible is correct. Paul says this, he says, if there are some differences, in the end, 
Even it will be God that will reveal what is right. Guess why? Because he has the final say. So the Bible is fantastic. One last thing that the Reformation did for us, and I just want to talk about it. The, the Reformation introduced the idea that we are able to think for ourselves. What the Baptists call freedom of conscience, that we are able to think for ourselves. God wants us to think, and God wants us to be free. This is what God said to the Israelites before Jesus came. He said, come now, let's settle the matter. Let's reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, they'll be white as snow. Though they're red as crimson, they'll be like. Jesus asked people to make up their own mind. Jesus said to people, what do you think about the Messiah? Who's, whose son is he? What do you think? Paul does the same. As I said, he says, when we're mature, we take a certain view. And if on some point we think differently, then God will make that clear to us. We are told to engage our brains. We are not told to comply mindlessly, but to think, to think and to search. Why is that? And it is because God gave that right. God moved that people should be free to think for themselves. It is everybody else out there that doesn't want you to think for yourself. That's why there is a plethora, and don't think these times are new, there is a plethora of misinformation, made-up facts, made-up things, um, little sections, part-truths and half-lies, manipulative statements, all those kinds of things. We're in the holiday period. I love those adverts, I'm, I'm lying when I say that, that say, um, you know, basically, if you don't take this holiday, your children's childhood will be spoiled and it'll be all your fault. I mean, what's that about? What's that about? Well, it's about don't think for yourself. Let me just hook into your guilt or your greed or your lust or your sense that you're missing out or your insecurity and let me drag you along by the nose to the place where I want you to be. That is not God's will for you or for me. His God, God's will is that we should be free to think for ourselves. And the way that that happens is by truth revealed. And truth ultimately revealed in Jesus. And that's exciting. The church isn't here to tell you what to do or what to think. That's not, I know that sounds bizarre, but it isn't. It's not the church's job to do that. The church's job is to be a witness to Jesus. We are the church. Our job is to explore and understand the truth for our lives together. The church's job is to release, to encourage, to enable, not to define. You think for yourselves because that's your God-given right. And it's the only right that I'm aware of that we're given, is that we can think for ourselves. We can come to Jesus because we think for ourselves. We're not, we don't have a right to an easy life. We don't have a right to a trouble-free existence. We don't have the right to cling on to those that we love for all the time. We don't have the right 
um, to, to finances or physical prosperity, only the right to think and to choose Jesus. But choosing Jesus comes rights. We are entitled then to be called the children of God. We are entitled to a place in heaven. But we have to use that. It's only that we are free to decide not by permission, not from government or from media, popular culture, not from threat or violence or threat of prison, not the newspapers, employers, not even Ofsted, not family members, not even church leaders have any power to give you permission to think for yourself. Think for yourself. That's your God-given right. So what has the Reformation ever done for us? Well, this is what happened. Today, we can receive freedom from guilt, distress, hurt, from the specters of the past and the terrors of the future because we can receive forgiveness from Jesus. Have you received that forgiveness? Have you received that freedom? You might have received the forgiveness and not walked in the freedom. Think God's freedom is available. Number two, that we have the Bible. It's precious. It's a treasure. People would steal it from us. Let's use it. And number three, that we should think. We're not ruled by inner conflict. We're not ruled by pride or fear. Don't have your freedom robbed by the agendas of other people. This is not God's gift. Jesus came to set us free. It is for freedom that He set us free. Free from sin, free from guilt, free from other people, free to think, free to reason, free to set and search God's Word, free to meet together, free to learn from one another and encourage one another, free to do as God leads us no matter what others tell or pressure us to do or think. That's our freedom. So today, seek God and He will be found. Look for Jesus and you will meet Him. What has the Reformation done for us? This. It's opened a door for us to move through. Move through it. It's an exciting place. Bless you all. Let's just pray. Lord Jesus, just want to thank you that above everything else, your agenda has always been that we should be free that the truth should be revealed and that we should be free. I just pray, Lord, that above everything else, you just open our minds, open our hearts. Lord, show us what it is that we need to be bringing to you today. Lord, give us that joy. Give us that real blessing of knowing that we stand in your favor through Jesus uh, and that we are not able to be stolen out of your hand by anybody or anything but we can be free. In Jesus' name, amen.